Hey everyone, welcome to A Plain Accounts Weekly Podcast. I'm Alicia McClintock here with my co-host Benjamin Kramer, and we are excited to open the scriptures during this holy week um, to prepare our hearts for Easter and hopefully to prepare you to bring word, to bring um, this good news to your people this week. Ben, how are you? How is Holy Week looking? Any, yeah. um, any resources you're engaging or scripture you're reading or practices while we're in um, shelter in place that are going to be meaningful for you or your people? Oh, man. I have uh, – Holy Week is unique all on its own, and these are definitely unique days. Um, and so we've been doing Zoom meetings for, for prayer. Uh, we have been uh, – I've been doing a daily devotional through Zoom as well to get it directly to my people um, and we are always combine our Good Friday service with the sister church in the valley. Um, and so we're still doing that, only we're recording our own individual parts and then collecting it into a video and then dispersing that to our people. We were able to put boxes together with all sorts of elements for Palm Sunday and Easter and leave them on the church property so that um, they could come pick them up at their leisure, you know, so we're trying our best to engage in these days. And I've just really found it um, so meaningful uh, how the, how my people are just thirsting and hungering to gather together. And so we're finding creative ways to do that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I've been thinking about ways that this time when we're unable to gather um, in our church property or our regular meeting places. Um, I just have been thinking about the ways that we can equip our people to be the church where they are um, and to do that kind of discipling work. So um, yeah, nobody has the easy answers to how mm -hmm. we're doing that, but but it's, it's really exciting and encouraging to hear how people are um, inviting their people to engage scripture, to practice um, praying together, praying for one another, carrying each other's burdens, even though we're physically distant. So yeah, absolutely. yeah, that's been great. That's great. Yeah. Well, Holy week, there's so many things going on. Um, last week when we gathered, we uh, spent some time talking about the passion. Um, so we know that that Sunday is sometimes Palm Sunday, sometimes Passion Sunday, um, but we wanted a time to discuss the crucifixion narratives together. Mm -hmm. And now here we turn to the Easter narratives. And there are a couple of texts that the lectionary sets aside. Um, uh, it's frequently um, uh, the John 20 passage, the narratives from John, as we've been moving through the season of Lent, uh, we've been reading a lot of narratives from John about people encountering Jesus. And the John 20 uh, passage is often used on Easter Sunday. But uh, the lectionary offers an alternative um, with the Matthew passage as uh, the year A, we're in year A. Mm -hmm. Year A uh, for the lectionary is the Gospel of Matthew as our gospel lection for the year. Uh, so Matthew seemed um, appropriate and refreshing to us as we've been moving through John. Also, I think on a plain account, we have done the John 20 passage a few times together. So yes. we're excited um, to dive into the text. Um, I'll read from Matthew 28 verses 1 through 10. I have the NRSV today, so I invite you to listen as we read the word of the Lord. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said greetings, and they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we are, the resurrection. Here we are, yeah. Listen, you put me on the spot with atonement theories last week, so you get to explain the resurrection to us all. Uh, explain the resurrection. Wow, okay. <laughs> Great. Because okay, we, we I, did so well with atonement. Oh <laughs> we just God. got that all down. Yeah, no, no, we didn't. I'm going to walk that back. <laughs> Okay. And instead say, so Ben, what do you notice about this passage this week? <laughs> oh my gosh, that was hilarious. Well, so the a lot of things jump out to me in comparison. Like you said, we've we've really looked at John, uh, John's account of the resurrection. Um, and I've been enamored with Mark's um, gospel uh, resurrection account as well. And there's just so many differences between uh, the accounts. They're not all the same. They have general themes that are consistent, but they emphasize different um, areas. And so like the first thing we find out that uh, Mary Magdalene and this other Mary, whoever she may be, are headed to look at the tomb or see the tomb. They're not carrying spices as in other accounts. We see one angel instead of two angels or a young man like in Mark's account. Um, they, but the, I think one of the biggest things that sticks out to me is that they are there when this resurrection occurs. They don't see it, you know, they, but this earthquake happens, the guards that were there guarding it are see it and lay down so terrified they were like dead people. Um, but this is the only account that has the disciples actually present when the event occurred, uh, which I found just absolutely fascinating. So, yeah, I, these women have been bearing witness uh, to the passion of Jesus Christ this whole mm-hmm. like week, really. Like they've, uh, well, they've been bearing witness to Jesus's ministry for a long time, um, but they're the ones who keep company with him and his sufferings um, through to Calvary, uh, through to the tomb. Um, and now here they are yet again, coming to visit uh, before the day has dawned, um, just to be at the tomb, at the place where he is buried. Um, and and I do find it really compelling that they bear witness to this resurrection moment, um, and and yet even so, they do not actually see it. Um, this isn't, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's this super mysterious 
moment. Uh, like nobody, nobody else is inside the tomb to mm-hmm. like know what it's like when, um, when, yeah, when Jesus is raised. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they are there when the earth shakes as they were there when, um, when, when Jesus died and the, and the earthquake that tore the temple curtain into. I'm, I'm really impressed by these women who, um, have kept company with Jesus through all mm. of those times. Yeah. Um, and, and I, yeah, I just want to point out that they've been like very faithful witnesses to not look away, um, to not leave. Um, and while these soldiers who I'm sure have seen some pretty terrible things in their life, I don't know, that's assuming, but they, <laughs> but they're, they're scared to death and, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, just the two Marys hanging out saying like, we got this. We got this. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, yeah, I find, I find that really compelling. Well, and I think it's no mistake then that in all four gospels, um, they are apostolic. They are treated Mm -hmm. as like, if, if the understanding of apostle is this, sort of direct connection with God's guidance and humility and understanding and then declaring that to God's people. Like there is no other like form of that in the gospels than all in all four, these women are at the tomb and then sent out to carry the testimony of the resurrection to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jürgen Moltmann said, if it wasn't for women preachers, there'd be no knowledge of the resurrection, you know? And so that, that's, I think that boldness that we see like, Oh, death on a cross and earthquakes and stones and people laying around like, okay, well, I guess we're going still. Like, <laughs> I mean, you just see that in their boldness and bravery all throughout the gospel narrative, especially. Yeah. Yes. And, and still they're assured multiple times or reassured. Don't yeah. be afraid. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're not afraid. Sure. Like they've got lots to be afraid of yeah, but they right. need to show up and, and to, and to bear witness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That they're, I, I love that you helped point us to the apostolic tradition. Um, we might also say, okay, this might be a stretch, forgive the half-baked thoughts on Tuesday morning, but they are also angelic mm. in the sense that the, that the Greek that we translate as angel just means messenger. Yes. And, and that is the word that's used both mm. for this, like this angel of the Lord, the like young man in white, like this, this divine messenger that's present to announce the resurrection and explain it to them is, is you like, it's this Greek word for messenger, which then is applied to the women who go and proclaim the good news. Right. Um, So they're, they're apostolic. They're also like in this tradition of like divine message bringing of proclaiming the good news, um, of preaching, God's reign of light and love and peace and justice of proclaiming what God is up to and what it means for us. So um, that's, that's a, like a really key part of what's happening here. I think is it's not just that they happen to be present and are witnessing. And this is what I, what I love about the word witness or the idea or image of witnessing is that it's not just seeing, but it's also telling or that it, that it shapes their action and their response. So they don't just witness, but they bear witness um, to others. And so we're seeing that really prevalent here um, in the text where they, 
they're, they've witnessed the passion, they've witnessed the death, um, they've been uh, like silent as the grave, and here they are back visiting the tomb um, to witness the sort of resurrection moment, though they don't see what actually happens. This isn't like Lazarus, right, <laughs> where, um, where they sort of watch Jesus come out of the tomb, so to speak. And that's what's really, that's what's really interesting here is Jesus appears to them on the way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the, yeah, I don't know. What do you make of that? I, there's just so much to, uh, like, um, I'm so tempted to conjecture and speculate and all of, all of those things. And I think that's why we talk about half-baked thoughts. But, like, there's, there's so many um, instances here that um, – at least drive me to to see how um, no no matter the human effort to whether suppress or edify or or even like believe and understand God is still on the move. So like the resurrection happens, they don't really comprehend. They leave with joy and fear, mixed emotions, right? But then Jesus meets them on the way and over and over again, it is do not be afraid, go and witness, go and testify. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, and then we see the Imperial guards that are posted there to keep Jesus dead, essentially, to make sure that nothing happens, um, that the body isn't stolen, all of these things. Um, and then the, <laughs> the angel rolls the stone away and they are invited in rather than Lazarus, like you mentioned, being called out, right? So they're, they're invited in to see this place that is defined by the reign of death. It is now defined by the reign of resurrection, like he's no longer there. Lazarus jumps out with the trappings of death still on him. He smells like death, all of these things. Jesus is not only not trapped by death at all, but he's just not there. Like he's already out in Galilee. Doesn't need to be untethered from the straps of death. Doesn't need any, anything else. He has been fully raised into and glorified by God. Mm -hmm. um, and so this, and th that work is ongoing. He's already in Galilee. And, and last week's text in Matthew, Matthew jumps ahead of the story and says, when Christ was raised, other holy people are raised and head to Galilee too. So these people are seeing resurrection, not only with uh, Christ the Lord, but with all the other holy people that were raised simply because, and I, I see it as kind of like this cup overflowing, right? The resurrection happens to Christ and he's glorified and these other holy people get some of the like ripple effects of that and come into mm. Galilee as well. It's this incredible event that takes place. So just this narrative of ongoing work that's not contingent upon the way things are currently in the world, which is, gives me much hope. <laughs> and we're invited into that and to witness to it. Yeah, I think that um, we can sometimes forget that the resurrection um, is an inherently political act. Mm -hmm. I hesitate using words like that. <laughs> um, but, but here's the thing. Jesus has been proclaiming the reign of God in the world um, and the way God becomes king is through Jesus on the cross mm -hmm. with the, 
with this victory over the powers of sin and death vindicated in in a, a resurrected life. And so the powers of sin and death, um, which are always the fuel in the engine of the empire, mm-hmm. are no longer effective. They like they it's like the death trap is fundamentally broken. I think mm-hmm. that's what's intriguing to me about this invitation into the tomb mm-hmm. rather than Jesus needing to be called forth, is that this this realm of sin and death, those powers. It's not like they are no longer real because they still are a a thing that exists in the world while we wait for God's reign to be fully present and inaugurated here and now. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet they are no longer defining. They, Mm. They no longer, they no longer have the last word. They, um, yeah, these are the mysteries of the faith. Mm-hmm. so good well and i think maybe just to continue that thought as well is like i feel like there's such comparisons here to when herod was trying to suppress mm-hmm. jesus coming in as king and mm-hmm. to wipe out even infants in in the land to try to keep that from happening and then everybody's clamoring around trying to use the you know imperial power to try to keep their way established like paying off guards like that's exactly what judas just did and and took his own life out of regret for that act then we see the chief priests and the sanhedrin coming and paying the guards to uh you know after this whole thing happened in in verse 11 uh continued they pay the guards off to spread lies about the disciples taking jesus body to try to control the media or control the news right um and so like we we see this imperial power being struck as though dead uh and i think it's such a huge message in the world of why the church should have an inherent not only suspicion but martin luther type anger when political power tries to coerce God's message for their own gain and their own control in the world, because that's exactly the kind of death dealing dehumanizing power that the cross has come to be to dismantle in the world. Um, Yeah, exactly. And then like, this is, this is the message of the resurrection that like as resurrection people Mm -hmm. who are, who are fundamentally shaped by encountering the risen Christ, um, we then are the ones who proclaim death has no hold on us. Um, We are not held captive by these powers. We answer to a different authority. Our message is consistently different. Mm and and so then then this this is the thing that then fuels the engine of the early church and the church even now obviously um but but in a time when um when what they said was crazy nobody had heard anything like this before like they were they were basically traitors to the empire for proclaiming this news of a countercultural kingdom they did it anyway and and that despite despite all of the all of the efforts to control or to manage um or to stamp it out uh Mm -hmm. that the that that this like new life couldn't be stopped yeah 
good. Oh, that's so powerful. <laughs> I mean, this, this is the Easter message yeah. that God has come to us as one of us in Jesus Christ, that Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. And the mm-hmm. same power that conquers the grave lives in us and empowers us to live holy lives. This is, this is what we, this is what we preach about. This is what forms us um fundamentally to our core that we are a resurrection people mm-hmm. um and so then what does it mean for us to like encounter christ to witness and bear witness um to this like resurrection power mm-hmm. wow that's so good and and maybe it looks like uh, you know starting to think of how i'll try to you know communicate this to my people maybe a part of that looks like um relying on christ's peace to not be afraid and continue to speak this narrative like what you said before going live even and i think you just mentioned it uh, a little bit ago too was about you know they didn't see the resurrection take place they they were there but it was an inherently invisible like act right they didn't see jesus reanimated or brought out of the tomb you know they felt this earthquake and the angel of the lord showed up but they didn't see the lord resurrect we oftentimes in our world can't see god on the move Mm -hmm. so so often we we have to wait for like someone to show up like a witness or an angel messenger to say hey can you see how like the lord really moved here and then we're just struck with with you know, fear and joy. And so maybe it's to not be afraid and continue to faithfully witness um, to the resurrection of Christ in the world. Yeah, totally. And I think the text invites me to keep watching for the signs, to keep Mm -hmm. bearing witness, to keep, keep my eyes open, to keep showing up. Right. Like, I think again, these, these women are deeply compelling. Um, It's not like they were, um, I don't know, trying to like drag other people along with them or to say like, we know what's going to happen or whatever. Like they just knew we have to be with Jesus. We just have to be there. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there's, yeah, there's this trust that like that the journey is unfolding before them and they're, and they're there to welcome it with great fear and great joy at Mm -hmm. the same time. Um, And so I think that's, the invitation that the text offers to me, like how am I continuing to show up like with all the complicated emotions that like Mm. mixed bag and to say God is on the move. And I know that without a doubt, God is on the move. Even when I can't see it, even when I don't know what that means, even if I don't know how to explain it or how to tell other people or anything, God is on the move and the reign of God is unfolding before me. So how do I just like show up to be there? Like mm-hmm. I want to be in the room where it happens. Like yeah. I just want to, I like, oh, I, I, I have to be there and then we'll figure it out. We'll take the next step as it comes. But, but we can't do that if we're not present, if we're not witnessing, if we're not like open to the ways that God is on the move. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think, I think the text, the text calls to me in, in that way that there's, there's this power in showing up in, in having our eyes fixed on Jesus, even when we can't see him or mm-hmm. don't even know how to talk about that, but to, but to show up and to be there yeah. and to see, to see 
what the spirit offers us or invites us into. It might be scary. It might be like to step into a tomb. Like Mm -hmm. that's crazy. Or to, or to go back, um, to Galilee or like, yeah. Or to like go back to Jerusalem Mm -hmm. or Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Like, like where, where is the unfolding reign Mm -hmm. of God calling us? Yeah. Well, I think it drives us to see where we are inferring in the text, what the text doesn't say. And so often I, even growing up reading resurrection accounts, I thought, oh my gosh, they encountered Jesus on the way back. They don't have fear of the governor anymore. They don't have fear of like the Sanhedrin or the chief priests. Like all of that just went away because obviously the Lord, well, you know, rose from the dead. And I don't think the text is saying that. Like those, those are still very real realities. But I think what the power of the text is that even in the midst of those true scary realities, they are still faithfully pursuing and witnessing to the resurrection of Christ in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man. I think these, these high holy days become really difficult for me um, just because it feels like there's so much to say, but also like, I don't know what all to say about um, like, like these mysteries of the faith. Um, And so I guess our, my parting words to our listeners, those who are preparing to bring the text is that like, like as you open the scriptures, the, the resurrection of Christ and the reign of God is unfolding before you mm-hmm. um, and that you hear the call to follow mm-hmm. and can continue to bear witness. Yeah. Any so other mean. parting, parting thoughts or, um, or reflections mm. on resurrection Sunday? Well, I've, I've seen several posts, so this is not my original idea, but one that I have been intrigued by uh, Brent, Brent Neely shared a post and a couple of, Others shared this as well, but I thought it was a unique idea. One of the things that I enjoy gathering together is to say he is risen and to hear the congregation say back, he is risen indeed, right? And so like, how how then are we going to embody that in this unique time? And uh, the, the posts were saying, and it was from a pastor, and she said, you know, why don't we encourage our people to walk out of their front doors that at the time of their service or when they would gather and just say, he is risen into the streets. Um, And like, what a beautiful picture that would be all over the state, all over the country, the world, you know, to hear Christians proclaiming to the resurrection of Christ, even in the midst of this, um, of this time, just from your front porch, just like he is risen, you know, and maybe see other neighbors doing that as well, like this collective acknowledgement of the resurrection. So uh, that, that would be my, my final thought is how can we, you know, creatively still um, proactively pro- proclaim the resurrection together in these, in these unique times. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I hope that catches on. That's yeah. also, that's one of my favorite things um about the easter season is the call and response of Mm -hmm. he is risen and he is risen indeed yeah um yeah well on that note (laughs) yes we uh we we have a ways to go before we get there still um it's still only the beginning of holy week we have um maundy thursday which is where we celebrate the institution of the Eucharist of the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. the last meal with Jesus' disciples. We have 
Good Friday, which is the road to Calvary um, and the crucifixion. Um, and Holy Saturday, the silent darkness of the grave yeah. before we get to, uh, to the great fear and great joy that mm-hmm. is Resurrection Sunday. So yeah. as we move from this moment, this small gathering, um, praying peace to you all um, for a meaningful Holy Week as you engage these mysteries of the faith. May the mm-hmm. kingdom of God unfold before you. Amen.